Let's give it up for the band leading us in worship. Oh, 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 man. I hope today that you are ready for a sermon because I came ready to preach one. Um, we are using a series as a launching point for our church into our next stratosphere. Um, it's about Abraham, but it's about El Dorado, and it's all personal and like. It's just, it's just been a good series, and I hope that you've been listening. And if you haven't, uh, I encourage you uh, to go back and watch the YouTube. Uh, it's on our channel, and you can catch up, because next week is going to be the finale. I thought I was going to get there uh, this week, but I'm not. Um, and so it's going to be, I told the staff, I was like, no, I'm going to get there. I'm like, no, I'm not. Anyway, so I'm going to get five verses in this week. But we've been covering the story of Abraham. And if you haven't been with us, just to give you a high-level synopsis, it's just that God called him out of the middle of nowhere to go do great things and to trust him that somehow his promise was going to overcome uh, Abraham's problem. And it's a universal story of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and for you this morning, I promise you that God has a promise that is greater than any problem that you're facing. And, and today we're going to tackle a, a specific one about uh, how do we handle all the promises that God has given us? How do we, how do we handle all the blessings that he has poured out on us? Because I think that we have a certain level of responsibility for what God has given to us. And we said that first week, remember that Abraham, he said, I'm going to bless you to bless others. And today as we kind of get started and we get marinating on God's word, I, I wanted you to just start thinking about where you're at this week and what your attitude is. Are you dialed in? Are you ready to go? Um, and my appetizer of the week is a football analogy, apropos. Um, when I was young and uh, got to play football, I, I loved it. It's my favorite sport to play. Um, and I played all of them. Uh, but that was the one that I, I enjoyed the most. Um, I wasn't the, the best at that one. It's just the only one that you got to hit someone as hard as you could and you didn't go to jail. And so um, I enjoyed that part. And so they, they had this drill that was called the Oklahoma drill. And if you don't know what that is, um, definitely designed by a defensive coach because um, you know offensive people are just a little more soft than defensive people. And um, and anyway, it's, it's uh, somewhere long ways ago, they were like, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to put the dummies, the tackling dummies, we're going to lay them down. We're going to create an alley, and we're going to make this alley about five yards apart. And there's different iterations of the way that people do this drill. Sometimes there's a blocker, sometimes there's not, whatever. But the way that we did it was you lay down on the ground, okay? One guy lays down on his back, his head facing that way. This guy over here, he lays down, his head facing that way. And one guy is going to be the ball carrier, and one guy is going to be the tackler, and they're going to say, hut. And when they say hut, both get up. They're about 10 yards apart, and they hand the ball to one guy, and he has to run through that opening. There's no dodging in this. You get laughed at and called names that only get called on football fields if you try to dodge. And so the goal is for you to run over that guy, and that guy is trying to kill you, okay? And, and that's, just, that's just football, okay? Um, and I, I don't even know if it has a lot of, you know, purpose other than um, I think the goal is to get people used to hitting and to become tougher, um, and some people are not that. And so there would be lines, and, and really theoretically you're trying to position yourself because there's people that are your size and then there's people that are not your size. And so you get in your groups, and I was receiver, safety type guy, and so you like, you kind of, and you start finding the guy. This is what you do, okay? And all my football players in here are like, one, two, three, that guy, all right? And you're like, 
I'm going to kill that guy, right? Because they're soft. Like, they're going to come in there, like, real slow, and then just, just kill them. Just wham! All right? And then every now and then you realize that someone was counting you, right? That's, ooh, that's not good, right? Because, like, they would switch up right at the end, and, like, now I'm going against the guy that's bigger than me, is faster than me, and so now you just got to go, you know, take the punishment. And what I found was that my enthusiasm for the drill was in proportionate uh, size to the size of my opponent. And so when it was a guy that was my size or smaller, I was very enthusiastic about my performance. Whenever it was a guy that was uh, faster or bigger than I was, I was not so enthusiastic about the contact. Everybody understand what I'm saying? That there's two factors that kind of affect your enthusiasm. You're trying to perform at a high level, but I found that the proportion of the opponent can affect your enthusiasm. And so as we start here today, you'll begin to see in Abraham's life that he, he figured out a hack, right? He figured out a shortcut. He figured out a, a, a secret. And that was that um, as we go through this morning's text, you're going to find that we all tend to look at the proportion of our opponent. And he starts looking at the proportion of his promise. And it, it'll change the way you think because if it's about the size of your God, not the size of your opponent, then what couldn't you do? What couldn't you take on? Instead of looking at the person across from you, maybe it's the God that's standing behind you that you need to look at. And I hope that your enthusiasm this morning is super high. Because let's just be honest, sometimes I look out there and I'm looking at your faces and some of you are not enthusiastic, all right? You're not. You're like, Ugh. you know, it's like, come on. You're in God's house, let's be enthusiastic. It makes, it makes me preach better, quite honestly. And so um, we're going to get into it today, and we've got to cover a little bit of, of background. Uh, last week we got Abraham to finally getting to the promise of his son Isaac. God said next year you're going to have him, and sure enough, that happened. And now they have this baby boy that's grown up and to be a young adult. And we don't know the exact age, but between 15 and 18. Um, and so he's a young man. And God comes to him in chapter 22, and we're going to have one of, the, one of the craziest chapters in the Bible. And I hope today that this might encourage you, challenge you, that you might renew your enthusiasm for the Lord. Um, so here we go. Ready? Genesis chapter 22, verse 1. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. If you've been listening to the bumper at all, this, this sermon was inspired um, this series was inspired out of the sermon that was in that bumper, and, and it says very clearly that God is going to test you at some juncture, and here is the test for Abraham. Now remember, he's walked 25 years just to get to the sun, and now he's had some 15, 16, 17 years with the sun. And so this is a total elapsed time of approximately 42 years in the making. And so a lot has happened here. And it says, sometime later, God tested Abraham. And he said to, he said to him, Abraham, Abraham. And Abraham replied, here I am, here I am. First point I want to make is ready without reservation. Ready without reservation. Like, I don't know if you can remember back to when you were in school and you were unprepared, all right? Some of you, by show of hands, anybody ever, like, nuts? Yes. And so, like, do you remember when it got to that time where the teacher was going to call on people? 
Can you remember like all the little things that you would do to get out of being called upon? Does anybody know like you start like trying to find something on the floor, you know, you're, you're kind of like trying to get behind that person right there. You know, you might fake a heart attack, whatever it is that you have to do. But like you are literally, if you didn't even know who Jesus was, you'd be praying to him, please, Jesus, don't let them call on me, right? It's just embarrassing because you're not, you're not prepared. You're not ready, right? But then you can think of times that, that you were ready. And enthusiasm always shows up early, right? Because it's excited. You're excited about what's going to happen. Late means that somebody doesn't care enough. Because even the most late normal person, if I gave you tickets to the Cowboys game, front row, center, 50-yard line, that person would show up early. They would because the proportion of their importance would go up. So therefore now they're more excited. And so God says, Abraham, and, and Abraham, just think about this. you got to remember, he's roughly 115, 116 years old, right? That's, now, I think that when you get to this age, because Carrie all the time is like, you can't say old. You just say, you know, like senior, you know, whatever. But when you get past 100, that's old, right? Can everybody say amen on that? Like, do we have anybody over 100? Make sure I'm not offending anybody in the room. Okay, so, so here is Abraham and Sarah. And they even said, they even, the Bible even says this, that they sat around and laughed about this. Like, they, God named the kid laughter because Sarah laughed whenever God made the promise. She's like, oh, honey, that's not going to happen. Anyway, and then they walked around and imagine seeing a hundred-year-old couple, like, carrying around a little baby. Like, that's hilarious, right? They're like, oh, is that your great-great-grandchild? No, 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 this is mine. This is my baby. Woo! You know, it's like, come here. You know, it's like little old people, you know. I don't know. They probably could walk around normal. But anyway, so, so Abraham is like, here I am. He's enthusiastic, right? And I thought, enthusiasm doesn't have to age, you know? And I just started thinking, like, some of you aren't 100 in here. But I think your enthusiasm has aged. Your excitement for the Lord has aged. Man, I want to make it to the end. And be just as excited as I was in the beginning, even more excited as I go along. And I wanted to challenge you this morning. If your enthusiasm isn't at an all-time high, then what happened? What happened? Like, Because God's still doing his God things. And God has still blessed us beyond what we deserve. And so he's doing his thing. Shouldn't you be excited? Whenever God calls on your name, do you do the like little shuffle like, oh, I didn't hear that. He didn't, I didn't hear that. I didn't, no, he didn't say my name. Did he say my name? Like, man, whenever you're hiring people, I want you to just consider this for a moment. If you were hiring someone and, and you like called them, you know, and, and they, they came in the interview and they're like, yeah, I just, I really, I just need a job. You know, I'm, I, I, I don't really care. I just need something to pay the bills. You know, would you be like, yes, I want Captain normal, right? I want the guy that's, you know, not enthusiastic. Like, what if someone comes in and like, man, I saw what this company was doing and I felt like I want to be challenged. You know, I want to grow. I want to, I want to go. I, I love the vision of what y'all are doing. And I, that's what I went to school for. That's what I've been excited about all my, who are you going to hire? You know, captain, no passion at all. Or are you going to go with Johnny Jump Up, who's enthusiastic to come in here and learn and grow and work, right? Who are you going with? Well, think about that. When God calls your name, like when you walk in his church, when you walk in his house, this is like his company. 
And you walk in here, and he's like calling your name. And I was like, are you enthusiastic about being in his house? Are you excited about being in his house? Because he's calling your name. He's calling your number this morning. Abraham was like, here I am. I came to be counted, and I came to make it count. And that's what we're all called to do in the church said, Amen. Yes, yes. I, I'm more enthusiastic than you are right now. Challenge. Challenge. Yeah, you, you thought you were just coming in here, going to church, you know, sit here. Yeah, mm, yeah. Like, dude, I'm up here giving pep talks, and you're out there, yeah, okay, coach. Yeah, we'll go out there. We'll go out there and kill him. Yeah, no. My gosh. Genesis chapter 22, verse 2. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love. And that one hit me a little bit. It's like God is in the middle of saying something. And he's always saying something in the middle of him saying something. It's like that little stuff that just gets you. Because like, most people here, I have come to find, did not have a father that loved them well. Isn't it crazy how God just notes that? I want you to take your son whom you love. Man, a good challenge. This is like a Father's Day sermon in December. Don't you want to be a father that's known that he loves his kids? Don't you want to be that father? What would be the higher honor that someone could give you? Good husband loves his children. That got me a little bit. Then God said, take your son, your only son. And I don't even have to. For all my church people in here, if that doesn't sound like another verse, like the only begotten son, like, you know, you know. For those of you who've been in church a while, this, you know, next week I'm going to reveal where this is all going. If you've been in church all your life, you already know. But a lot of similitudes here. The shadow's not so dark. It's pretty obvious what we're going with here. Take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. And we'll just remember Moriah next week. It's going to be important. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain that I will show you. So you're going to take you to the region, then i got a specific mountain I've picked out. Um, now, as you read this, if you are new to church, I have to do some work here, okay? I'm just going to leave that up there on the screen. And um, like, if you're wondering, does this mean what, what, it, what it seems to mean? Like, take your child up to this mountain, kill him, and then burn his body. Um, yes. Yes, I saw, I'm looking at some young men in here, uh, some sons, and that'd be like your, your, God calls your dad. He's like, you know, hey, you know, take little Johnny, you take him up there on top of the mountain, and you sacrifice him. And I know before you get there, like, you know, that's, that's a big ask, right? I mean, that's, that's huge. Like, who else would ever get asked something like that? that matter of fact, that's crazy. As a matter of fact, if anybody ever asked you that, well, not everyone, some of you are like, I'll be Abraham. Like, I got some teenagers I'd like to sacrifice anyway. But I want to assuage your fears. 
It's okay. The story ends well. We'll get to the ending next week, but I just want to put your fears at ease that it ends well. But does it mean what it says? Yes. What is he asking of Abraham? The impossible. Here's the test. This is the test. The test is, will you give it back? Will you give it back? If you, if you take the best thing that I've ever given you, the most precious thing that you own, that you possess, that you're related to, and will you give it back? Here's the test. And God, God, Abraham has walked long enough that he has been preparing for the test. He's not going to blink at this test. We'll get into that in just a moment. But I just wanted you to start thinking about, man, it is, it takes so much to build something, right? Like, for anybody in the room, let's just call it out. Is marriage hard? Has anyone ever found in here that marriage is just easy? There's no problems, no struggles. Um, I'm just letting you know whether you're in the first one, if you might be in a second one, maybe a third one. It doesn't get progressively easier. It doesn't. It's like you start finding that, <laughs> change person, same problem. Hmm. <laughs> What's the common denominator? If you've ever built a company, we've built a church. If you've ever built, like, you had to sacrifice to make that. Like, it's so hard to make a good marriage. It's so hard to make good children. Functional, respectful children. It's so hard. Imagine that you, you walk this long, you work this hard, and then God's like, give it back. Give it back. I think sometimes we might be, really anxious to receive the promise. I think we might be really reluctant to give it back. I want you to start thinking. Ooh, start thinking. Reciprocation from God is requested and reciprocation is required. Think about that. Like, have you ever been in a relationship that wasn't reciprocated, like where love isn't reciprocated or where patience isn't reciprocated, mercy isn't reciprocated. <laughs> Think about that. Like imagine like you've ran into an old friend and like to you, you were really excited to see them. And like, you're like, hey, you know, <laughs> woo, hey, I haven't seen you in so long. And like, you run up to hug them and like, they like kind of do the awkward handshake, you know, and they're like, oh, hey, you know, like, what have you been doing? You're so enthusiastic. They're like, hey, you know, great to see you. I got to go. And like, they kind of like do that cold shoulder thing. Have you ever been in a situation like that where it wasn't reciprocated? Where the, you know, like you, uh, man, just think about every guy goes through this process, okay? Whenever you're dating a girl, like every guy goes through this process. There's like a definitive moment where you're going to have to shoot your shot, as the young people like to say. And like, it's like the silliest little things, but believe me, guys are like going 90 miles an hour, like, okay, I'm going to go for the hand. It's like, okay, okay, I'm going for it, you know, yeah, yeah. and like, got X, and like, when a guy holds the girl's hand for the first, I'm telling you, in their mind, they scored a touchdown. It's like, yes! It's like you do the interlock even more. Oh, 
That's not just the side. It's the inner lock. That's something, okay? And then, like, you're going to get to the end of the night, and it's going to be like this first kiss, maybe, opportunity. And, and, and you're trying to figure it out. You're trying to get all the clues as to what she's saying because, obviously, women are never going to tell you. And so, so, so what you're looking for is what I call the thousand-yard stare, Okay? There comes a moment where the, the talky-talk is over and you're either getting out of the car or you're at the door. And if they stop and they stare into your eyes and now there's no words being spoken, that's it. You take it. Take it. That's it. That's the invitation. They're literally the guy on the runway waving the plane in. Do it. If they are staring anywhere else, wave it off, okay? Cancel. On to the next. That one's over. She's not interested, okay? I just helped so many people out in life. <laughs> I just want you to imagine whenever you go for those awkward moments where you're trying to progress the relationship, there's, there's a moment where you want, everyone wants, reciprocation. You want to love and you want to be loved. And I started considering this moment with Abraham, the test. Hmm. I started, started asking a question, and I thought I'd probe you guys, and I'd like to set you up for this introspection, right? Like, do you, think, do you think when you compare what you give to God, what you share with God, what you worship to God, how you love to God, right? Are you reciprocating what he's done for you in your life? Would you say that God is like standing there with arms wide open and do you show him your affection by what you give back? God is asking Abraham for reciprocation. Abraham, I've blessed you beyond your wildest imaginations. Will you, will you bless me back? Will you love me back? Abraham is like a high five to God. Absolutely, we'll get into it in just a moment and we'll finish it next week, but that's a good challenge for us. If God stands there and he's being taken for granted, that you could come into his house without enthusiasm, do you think when God woke up this morning and saw you on your way to church that he wasn't excited, that you were like, oh, there they come. There they come. They're getting out. Oh, they're fighting in the car. Oh, we're going to plaster a smile on our face. And someone's going to say, how's it going? It's really about to fall apart. But we're going to say, hey, it's going great, right? And they're going to ask for information. We're going to try to be secret agents. It's like weird, huh? the game we play with you guys. Anyway, don't you think that God wants to be loved? Do you think that God is worth your very best? That's the question. I thought about it like this, that God is constantly taking Abraham on a journey, right? And I thought we might distinguish the destination from the destiny. That, that Abraham is one more step, right? This is the last step. He's one more step. Moriah is the destination, but being the progenitor of the promise that is going to redeem the world through Abraham, through Isaac, through Jacob, through the descendants of Israel, through the line of David, all the way to Mary in Bethlehem, 
That's his destiny. Moriah is the destination. Producing the line that's going to produce the Savior of the world and forgive all mankind and set eternity and open the gate and close the gates of hell for millions of people for the rest of time. That's his destiny. And he's one step between the destination and the destiny. And I think so many Christians that God has you on the way to the destination and you're not even thinking about your destiny, that it's more than just the life that you're living. It's about so much more. It's about souls hanging in the balance. It's about changing generational curses of people who did not live for the cause of Christ. And you're sitting there thinking about Mariah. And God is saying, no, no, no. I have a destiny for you to impact all of eternity by how you live and how you love. And you're sitting there thinking about the destination. You need to get on the destiny train this morning. And what's the price of that one step that's left? The price is sacrifice. The, price, the, price, and the, the altar is all, everything. you got to put your best on the altar. This morning, if, if you want to know how to walk with God, just look at Abraham. When he asks for it back, do you trust him enough? Do you trust him enough to offer it? Man, I'm going to tell you how many people have never made it past that step. Never made it to their God destiny because you held on. Because you grasped it so tight. It's my marriage, my children, my money, my love, my heart. No, no, that's God's. That's God's. I hope today you would learn to hold things with a loose grip. And when God asks for it back, you give it. You give it. So many lives have been changed at Genesis Metro. And in this last year, I've seen people say, oh, we want to give back. Because every dollar is a seed that's sown that's life changed for someone else at some other time. But it was given to you. Now the question is, will you give it back? It says in verse 3, early the next morning, early enthusiasm. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. Chopping wood. Chopping wood. I just, this blew my mind. I never even looked at it, never even considered it, contemplated it till this week. That he got up the next morning and he had to cut down the wood that was going to be used, that he was going to build an altar to sacrifice his son. Can you imagine every swing of the axe, right? He's having to like run it through his brain. What in the world? is getting ready to happen. Can you imagine being put into this paradox where you're sitting there like, oh, I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes. I know the answer is yes. I know the answer is yes. Trust the promise. Trust the promise. But every swing of the ax, it's like, oh, my gosh, what am I doing? What am I doing? What am I doing? What am I doing? Abraham complies without complaint. Abraham is obedient without 
objection. And I think this truth holds that Abraham has now walked far enough and God has provided proof enough that trust becomes the rule rather than the exception. I hope today that you would see that, that Abraham is shifting gears. He's no no longer looking at the proportion of the challenge that's before him. He's now considering the proportion of the promise that's been given to him. And man, once you start looking at life through the promises that he's given you, then it's easy to trust God with the outcome. Let's continue on. This is the finale. It says, verse 4, On the third day Abraham looked up, and he saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, Stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship, and then we will come back to you. We will worship, and we will return. So this immediately raises you know, some questions that we have to ask, right? If he intends to offer Isaac as a sacrifice, how is he saying, like, that doesn't make any sense. That means Isaac's not coming back down the mountain, right? So did, did Abraham ever intend to fulfill the promise? I'm so glad you asked. The Bible gives us the answer to that in Hebrews chapter 11. Now this is thousands of years later. This is the Apostle Paul reflecting on the story of Abraham. This is what he says, By faith Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who embraced the promises, see, the promises, the proportion of the promise, he who embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his only son. Now, next week we're going to go over that, okay? I don't have time this week, but next week we're going to cover that. It's going to blow your mind. It's going to blow your mind. I will guarantee you, your mind will be blown. I dare you not to read the rest of the story this week. Dare you. (laughs) He had embraced the promises and was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Verse 19 says, Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. Now you and your little 2022 version of Christianity... You're like, oh, yeah, that's cool because, you know, after all, you know, Jesus rose from. There had not been a Jesus at this juncture. Do you understand? Like, there, there's several resurrections in the Bible of people that died. Not before Genesis 22. This was like, there's a new model here, okay? And Abraham is believing something, all right? And so this is where we start getting into triangulation. When you believe God at a certain level, and trust God at a certain level, it will allow you to triangulate the outcome before it occurs because the promise has to be true. So if you can count the promises true, then you can know what's available in the outcomes. What do I mean by that? So Abraham said, okay, I've been walking for 25 years, and we finally had the child that God promised me. Now I've been raising him, and now he's a young man, and God says, I want him back. I reason, therefore, I am going to walk this promise up the mountain, and I am going to offer him, I am going to burn him, and then somehow, some way, even if God has to call him back from the ashes, that promise is coming back down the mountain. And what did he call it? He said, that is worship. 
What are me and Isaac going up the mountain to do? We are going up to worship, and then we're coming back down together. What if you lived inside of the promises of God? What if, what if you could say this morning, I know what he promised, therefore the outcome is decided. Would it change your trepidation? Would it change your fear level? Would it change your anxiety? That if both of you were committed to the promises of God, what marriage could not be saved, redeemed, restored if you were living inside of the promises of God? That I'm committed to this promise. I'm committed to death. I'm committed to for better or worse. I'm committed to bear no record of wrongs, to love you the way that you deserve to be loved. What if, just what if this morning, we could say that because I'm inside the promise and the promise precludes Isaac from dying and staying dead, then I can trust God and I can give him my very best gift. I can give him anything and trust that I'm going to take it up the mountain and I'm going to put it on the altar. But somehow, some way, it's coming back down. See, that's why so many people lack a spirit of generosity. Because at the end of the day, challenge, punch, coming. You don't trust God. You don't trust God. You think, if I give it away, it's never coming back. And wouldn't that be a fallacy? that can never be overcome without faith? Because if you never do it, then how would you ever know that it works? Abraham had been on a 42-year journey, and he had come to believe, you know what works? God works. God works. The promises of God are true. I'm going to give you another one of my favorite verses. I want to ask you this question. Who is your promise about this morning? Are you the star or is it about Jesus? It says, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. Yes. That just blows my mind. And so it is through him, it's through Jesus, that the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Simply put, if you're walking inside the will of God, and he has given you a promise. Then the answer, you don't even have to pray about it. The prayer is, when the promise was given, that's the answer to the prayer. And the answer to that promise is yes. All the promises of God in Christ are yes. Can Jesus save me from my sins and deliver me into eternity safely and securely? The answer is the promises of God in Christ are yes. Can I be forgiven? Yes, in Christ. Can I be redeemed? Yes, in Christ. Can I be made white as snow, though I've lived the darkest of sin? Yes, in Christ. Can I be made white as snow? Yes, in Christ. Can I take my hard heart that's filled with hate and reclaim it and redeem it and be made filled with love? Can I have a marriage that is 
full of vibrancy and passion? Can I show my kids the way and they'll follow it when they get older? Yes, in Christ. It all depends on whether or not it's in Christ or not. So if you're living separate from the will of God and separate from the love of Christ, then I can make no promises to you, but I can make sure that you know this, that if you would stay in the will and you would stay in the word and that you walk it out and when he asks for it back, you say, here it is, God. I can tell you at the end of that, your life will say amen Amen. to the glory of God. God gave us a place 20 years ago. And right up to the clock is running out. It's like, how are we going to do it? How are we going to do it? How are we going to do it? That's the wrong question. The proportion of my problem has only gotten bigger. But I can say confidently to you that he didn't bring us this far to let us die in the wilderness. It's not a question of the proportion of our problem. It's the proportion of the promise. And if the promise has been given, then the answer is yes in Christ. If we've been given that promise, the question is, Will we give it back? Did God bring you all the way up to this point in your life? Bless you beyond your wildest imaginations. And then him hold out his hand for the first time. The only time he ever asked of Abraham, I want your best. I want your best. This morning, I'll just ask you the question. And let that challenge be the challenge. Have you ever given God your best? Have you ever? I mean your best. Your best worship. Your best love. Your best pursuit. Your best passion. What's crazy is, if we would live in this reciprocation to God, the love that you need to fix the relationships down here is not fixing them it's fixing you and if you're trying to take your love and solve the problem that's not your love that's going to solve it's his love that's going to solve the problem so i relive in reciprocation to god by giving my heart to him but then what he gives back i'm able to give out and so both of the the continuums exist as a result of my believing in the promises of god how can i tell you that your marriage is going to be okay well if you're both standing in the will of god then i can tell you Beyond a shadow of a doubt, it's going to be okay. How can I tell you, you know what, the finances are going to take care of itself? Because I can tell you that if you're standing in the will of God, he's going to provide. You say, well, Tim, it's, the clock is ticking. The bill is coming due. And I'm saying, yes, 100%. God will make a way. Let's pray. Father, we ask in the name of Jesus, God, help us. Help us to have the faith of Abraham this morning to say that you are worthy of our worship and that altar, God, is calling out this morning saying, I want your best. I want your best. Whatever everything is, that's, that's what I want. You say, Tim, such a high price. Yeah. Next week when we get to what price God paid, I think it'd be hard for you not to feel selfish. 
He's not asking Abraham for something that he himself is not willing to give. Come on. Who wants to unlock your destiny today? You've arrived at your destination. Now you're one step away from your destiny. What's the price? Everything. Everything. Say, Tim, I'm not ready to give. You're not ready for your destiny then. Straight up. You're going to sit there, look down at the ground, look around, look at your clock, look at your phone. And you'll remember back to that Sunday when the preacher was standing on the stage saying, you're one step away. And the price was everything. And all you had to say in your heart was, God, whatever it is, I'll give it. Oh, man. I can't even imagine what would happen in our church if just 50% of the people said everything worth it. Count me in. Here I am, God. Here I am. I'm ready. I'm chopping wood. Whatever it takes, whatever you want, I'll give it. I'll do it. Oh, this morning, let's worship like he's worth it. Are y'all ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Oh, man, the altar is open this morning.